and welcome to episode 10 of the Long Story Short podcast. I'm your host, Vicky Cornick. I am so chuffed that we have hit double digits, number 10. How exciting. And I'm even more excited to have the lovely Michelle Hone from the Fit Clinic on today's podcast. Michelle is the founder and owner of the Fit Clinic, which is an online coaching team of nutritionists who empower women to take charge of their well-being. Michelle has a PhD in nutrition and works specifically with women who are looking to improve their hormone health, increase their chances of fertility and experience a healthful journey throughout their pregnancy. In this podcast, we mainly discuss fertility, the do's and don'ts for those trying to conceive, as well as suggested supplements for women who are both pregnant or trying to conceive. This podcast is a must listen for women. And while this might come as a surprise to most, I'd highly recommend most men out there give it a listen too. As you know what they say, it takes two to tango. I really enjoyed this chat with Michelle and I hope you do too. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us on the Long Story Short podcast. Michelle, you are somebody that I have been following for so long. You are like the queen of nutrition um, and you specifically, I know, kind of mainly work with women. But before we get into things, um, would you mind telling our listeners who you are, what you do and who it is that you work with? Yeah, so I am, my name is Michelle. I'm the founder of The Fit Clinic. So we are a team, started out as just myself, but now we are an amazing team of 12 nutritionists and we specialize specifically in female health. So everything there is to do with female health, whether it's fertility, hormonal issues like PCOS, PMS, endometriosis, um, weight loss, sports performance, anything to do with female health really. So that is what we do. So we work with one-to-one clients and we also have group programs and yeah it's just such an amazing space to be working in I think the narrative is really changing around female health and women are just becoming more knowledgeable and more empowered about how to really hone in on their health and hone in on their hormones and really really look after themselves and optimize their health so just feel really really grateful to be yeah playing a little small part in kind of that this revolution (laughs) amazing amazing and yeah like this podcast is very much aimed at females obviously I am um a personal trainer and all my clients are women um and we've kind of had you know different people on talking about different um you know nutrition and lifestyle tips for women in particular um but I suppose one thing that we haven't touched on um and something that you really specialize in and correct me if I'm wrong but have really kind of um like you said like honed in on in the past kind of maybe year to two years is uh nutrition for fertility Yeah, absolutely. So it probably really the catalyst was my own little blip in terms of fertility. So I suppose ultimately when we decide that we want to have a baby, we have, especially in Ireland, we have this really medical approach to fertility. So it's, you will go to your GP and they will just say to you, take folic acid and come back in six or 12 months, depending on your age. If nothing has happened, we'll talk then. And normally the course of action is some sort of medical intervention after that point, potentially fertility treatment. Whereas we know from the research that there's so much that you can do to optimize your fertility through nutrition, through supplementation, through exercise, through lifestyle. So I suppose I kind of felt when... I started trying like kind of thinking about starting a family there was just no information there was no solid concrete information out there and then you also have lots of different supposed experts saying one thing and then someone else saying the other and it's really really overwhelming so 
my ultimate goal with all of our clients that we work with specifically with fertility is to just take all that guesswork and all that fluff away and just give them an action plan and a roadmap that gives them peace of mind that they're doing everything like they can to optimize their health in preparation for getting pregnant. Amazing. Yeah. And it's, it's great to know that there are people like yourself that do that because I'm quite young and although I'm not thinking right now in this moment in time about, you know, getting pregnant and, and having kids it is definitely something that I want to think about doing down the line. And I know it is more common and not than not that women struggle with, um, you know, conceiving. And that's why just knowing that there are people like yourself who specialize in this is, is absolutely brilliant. Um, so I suppose we should start with like how important of a role and how much of a role does nutrition and lifestyle play, um, when it comes to fertility? It's huge. Otherwise I probably wouldn't have a job. (laughs) (laughs) So I, my favorite saying is it takes 12 months to make a baby. That's what we always say at the picnic, not nine months. People are like, wait, what? (laughs) So that three to four months before conception is really, really critical in optimizing our egg health. And also for men, it's two months in optimizing our sperm health. So we have this window of opportunity before we ovulate, before we conceive three to four months where our eggs go through this kind of maturation process. And during that time period, they're really, really susceptible to things like basically things that you're doing with your nutrition lifestyle. You like your oxidative stress, your oxidative damage, your inflammation. So what I always say is what we want to do is like wrap a safety blanket around our eggs and our sperm in that kind of, we call it our trimester zero and just give them the raw materials that they need in order for them to do exactly what they need to do. So I always say like, it's like supercharging your eggs and supercharging your sperm. And because ultimately they, they need to do a lot in order to, I suppose, come together and fertilize and copy the correct number of chromosomes, because obviously not copying the correct number of chromosomes is going to be one of the leading causes of early pregnancy loss. So that trimester zero is really, really critical for our health going into pregnancy, but also for our egg health and for our sperm health. Amazing. And I know you're talking about like sperm health as well, and we'll maybe get into this a little bit more further down the line, but there it takes it takes two to tango. Am I right? Yeah, 100%. So we, like a lot of women who, I suppose everyone who comes to us is a woman. There hasn't been a point where, actually, no, sorry, there was one client who who came to us. He was a guy and he was like, oh, we want to get pregnant. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Wow, that is amazing. So, yeah. So he was like, what can we be doing? And I was like, oh my God, I love you. <laughs> so for the most part, it's women coming to us. And I feel like it really it's just it nowadays it just kind of seems to be oh it has to be our burden to bear like even if it's just starting out or if there's been quite quite a complex fertility journey or if there's been any kind of pregnancy losses it seems to be the woman who's like okay I need to get my stuff together whereas if you think about it an embryo a baby it's the genetic material to make that baby comes from two people not from one so it is so so critical that it's not just, we're not just talking about egg health. So like we would have clients who come to us and they're like, I can't get pregnant. I'm doing this, I'm this. And their nutrition, lifestyle stressors are absolutely, they're perfect. They're literally the perfect client. And I'm like, oh, what's your partner doing? It's like, oh, don't even talk to me about him. Like he doesn't even eat vegetables. I'm like, okay, you probably shouldn't be on this discovery call. It should be your partner on the discovery call. Do you know what I mean? So I'm really, really trying to be vocal around 
changing that narrative that it's just around egg health and it's just around female health and instinctively if someone has a pregnancy loss we're like oh no they they must be having issues there must be something that they need to fix like well what about the what about male factor like that's 50 percent of the story and a lot of the time especially in reoccurring pregnancy loss it is sperm and not egg so it's really really important that we kind of start to to change our perspective on those things yeah that's that's really interesting so is there kind of a certain checklist for women who are trying to conceive like do's and don'ts what would you what would you recommend um for I suppose somebody who is is trying to conceive yeah so like the first thing is making sure that they have a regular regular menstrual cycle ultimately if you're not getting a regular menstrual cycle you're not ovulating regularly therefore you literally cannot get pregnant so the first thing that we look for is okay are you getting a regular cycle that could be anything from kind of ideally when trying to conceive 26 would be kind of the, the lowest ideally um, up to kind of 32 maybe even up to 35 is is acceptable and then secondly are you ovulating are you ovulating regularly each month there are some months where we can have what are called anovulatory cycles where we actually skip ovulation so it's just important to make sure that yes we are ovulating because otherwise we won't be able to get pregnant so that would be the first thing and if not okay we have some work to do on figuring out what is the underlying reason that you're not ovulating or you're getting a period. Is it PCOS? Is it hypothalamic amenorrhea? Is it stress related? Is there something else going on? So for the most part with clients that we work with, we will ask them, send them on for, just basically give them a list of bloods to get done with their GP. And that just gives us a really, really good indication as to where their health is at and just making sure everything is in in place. And the next thing as well would be thyroid function. So this is something again, that is very, very often overlooked, especially by GPs as well. So without kind of overcomplicating it and going into the science of it, when it comes to thyroid health, the baby doesn't have their own thyroid gland for the first 20 weeks. So they rely on the mother's thyroid hormone. But if you can't make enough of your own thyroid hormone, then that can lead to the baby not getting enough and it can be a cause of early pregnancy loss. So it's really, really important that our thyroid is in check. But the funny thing is the parameters for a healthy thyroid when you're not conceiving are different to the parameters or the requirements for when you are trying to conceive. And a lot of people don't know this and a lot of GPs don't know this. Um, So I would encourage anyone who's trying to conceive, pop over to my Instagram page. I've like a really easy video that just breaks it down, gives you the parameters that you need to be within. And again, it's just making sure that that's in check because we could have, it's basically what it's called subclinical hypothyroidism. So it's subclinical, it's not in the range and hypo meaning low thyroidism and so low low thyroid function. So it's just making sure that um, your thyroid is checked off as well. And the thing is that you might be going around with no symptoms. Um, So obviously with overt clinical hypothyroidism, you'll more than likely be really cold all the time. Your skin will be dry. You'll have constipation and you will be tired all the time really tired in the mornings but when it comes to something that's subclinical you might not have those symptoms so you might be completely unaware that you have that so the only way ultimately of knowing is through blood test that's that's mad how gps and like by no means am i bashing gps or anything but like it's isn't it crazy how it's they just don't know like yeah I'm sure it, it boils your blood. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I think I've actually cried so many tears over it at this stage, to be honest. Like it's, yeah, yeah it's actually heartbreaking in some cases because there are some, some things that may, could possibly have been avoided or people having really complex, arduous fertility journeys when... You know, everything is under control and they're 
getting frustrated and so upset as to why is this still not happening and then yeah so I suppose would it take from working with someone like yourself to be like no actually this is what needs to happen or is it a gynecologist or like what's yeah like there and ultimately there there are some like a lot of GPs are amazing yeah. they're absolutely brilliant um I would say to try and find a female health specific GP that really specializes in female health and therefore specializes in preconception um but there is unfortunately a lot of GPs that do miss this um so it is just important to and it is unfortunate that we ultimately have to follow people on Instagram to empower ourselves about how to interpret our own like I, it blows my mind to be honest and sometimes I'm like, wait, am I overstepping the mark here? Like telling people how to interpret their bloods. But I'm like, well, then who, like, if I don't, then who else? Yeah, I think social media can be great for loads. Like obviously, okay, sorry, let me rephrase that. But social media can be terrible for getting, you know, medical advice. But yeah. people like yourself, there are people out there. It's just, I suppose, checking who you follow and doing a big background research, which a lot of people won't be able to. But it, it's, yeah, it's a hard one, but... Um, that's why I follow the fit clinic on Instagram <laughs> um but yeah god I, that's that's kind of heartbreaking I think to just yeah it's, it's crazy and yeah it's a conversation that we could literally do another podcast yeah on yeah um and and just to go back when you're talking about um you know regular cycle and knowing you know are, are you are you ovulating and um, how is there anything that women can do to check like that's easy you know to check if they are ovulating or when they are ovulating yeah. Yeah, so there's a couple of signs of ovulation. So they don't definitively confirm that you're ovulating. So the way, the, the two ways of definitively confirming that you have ovulated, the first one is what's called BBT, basal body temperature tracking. This is tracking your temperature first thing in the morning, every morning. And what will happen is you'll get a rise in temperature after you've ovulated. You might even notice actually now that I've said this, that like I am sweating in the bed after I ovulate. I'm like, oh, get the covers off yeah. and get away from me. Like my husband's like, well, what's wrong with <laughs> you? But it, like, it does actually make a really big Some people will notice it, some people won't. Um, so that is a definitive way of knowing that you've ovulated. The other definitive way is by looking at a hormone called progesterone in your blood about seven days after you ovulated. Mm-hmm. So this hormone is going to surge and it's going to peak seven days after you ovulate. So it's called the day 21 progesterone test, but massive but. That is only relevant if you ovulate on day 14 and most people actually don't. I actually did a talk like recently to like, must have been a hundred people there. And I was like, who ovulates on day 14? And one person put their hand up. So that's what our textbook wow, okay. is. I actually don't think I've, I track my ovulation every single month. I don't think I've ever ovulated on day 14. It's just, I'm either 15, 16, 17 or 18. So when you say you track your ovulation every day, is that by temperature? So no, I'll move okay. on to this in a sec. Yeah. So, this, so how do you yeah so that's after and then your um, progesterone is after as well so how you would know um is going to the gp asking for a progesterone test but it has to be seven days after you expect you've ovulated okay. so again as i said it would be perfect if you ovulate on day 14 but most people don't so if you expect that you ovulate on day 20 you're actually getting your um, bloods done on day 27 yes. Does that yes, make sense? That sense. um so seven days afterwards so they are the two ways of knowing you've ovulated then the next ones are signs that you've ovulated so the first one is 
our urine test strips or our OPKs, ovulation predictor kits. So these are our urine test strips that we pee on. And basically what they're looking for is what's called LH, luteinizing hormone. And you will get an LH surge, like a peak in this hormone before you release an egg. So this is a sign that you're about to ovulate. And a lot of people will tend to use these for predicting ovulation in order for, for fertility, for getting pregnant. So I would be mindful though that I, just from experience with clients they are not I, they're not great some of them they predict people accurately some some of them are just a bit all over the place so just bear in mind like if you're never getting the flashing smiley face or the line is never darker it doesn't technically doesn't mean that you're not ovulating the other thing is if you have PCOS you're potentially your LH is going to be continuously elevated throughout the course of the month so they wouldn't be the best um predictor of ovulation if you have PCOS the other one is changes in your cervical fluid so your cervical fluid like you'll notice is going to change throughout the course of the month so when you are in your fertile range or in your fertile time period you will notice that your your discharge is like it's almost like raw egg white the only way it's like the perfect explanation like literally crack an egg white pick it up and like hold it in between your fingers it's like it's the exact same thing I know some people are like oh my god this is gross I'm like I literally talk about this like five times a day it's important to normalize it I think as well because we've talked about periods I think we're kind of past that stage where we can actually like men can actually say the word period but now it's time that we move on to move on to cervical fluid (laughs) so you yeah so as I said it's going to kind of move from best way to describe it is like a moisturizer lotion like a creamy consistency to a clear raw egg white consistency mm-hmm. basically it's like stringy it like kind of holds its its form like between your fingers and that is how you know that you're ovulating some people can like it can vary some people can get this for two days some people might notice it for a couple of days but this is like a like this is a for sure sign that you're you're ovulating okay. so that would be that would be how I track that's just how I've always tracked some people will notice that it's quite um scant like they don't get a huge amount of it um so it's just kind of going with whatever metric you find works best for you and then you've other signs like I it's crazy when I'm ovulating I like smells I like a candle would give me like a headache I find it like so intense but like ultimately what your body's trying to do is you're trying to look for pheromones like you're trying yeah, to yeah you're mad yeah exactly you're um I'm only saying this because I just got a dog but like you're like a, a it, you you're yeah you're like a dog yeah. in heat, right? <laughs> but it's so like it, it is mad isn't it like somebody was telling me actually about their dog and they they had a dog the dog was in heat another the male dog jumped over the wall they had their neighbors had a male dog jumped over the wall and their dog had puppies so yeah you sense it I get you I get you <laughs> yeah so everyone's so I'll always say like my the bins will be outside of our house for like four days I can't I'm just like oh like and then they won't smell for the rest of the month it's so bizarre. that's weird but so, I'm going way off on another topic I literally had the conversation with somebody uh this morning I somebody tripped up on something in the gym and I was like oh god you're they said something like oh I'm very clumsy and I was like you know what I actually get really clumsy around my time of the month I don't know why I don't know what it is but you probably will know what it is but she was like oh my god I'm due my period tomorrow and I was like no way it's just no that could have been total coincidence but it's so weird how things change I think and it's only when you learn that you're just like oh my god this is so yeah it's so cool exactly really cool like join the dots um yeah so your coordination is off in your luteal phase especially before your period um 
one of the main reasons um, is you've elevated progesterone, which actually relaxes like your muscles and relaxes your tendons. So basically like progesterone is our pregnancy hormone. So it prepares us for pregnancy. So like as you're, as you are pregnant, your, your joints and everything are moving so much. So you need to release those kind of hormones to, in order to be totally lax. So your pelvis can basically grow to create a human being. Um, but wow. it's really important for contact sports and stuff like that, mm. that um, people are kind of, women are mindful of this because there is an increased injury rate in your luteal phase versus your follicular phase. So yeah, it's actually just... It's mind-blowing, yeah, isn't it? So, so interesting. Men don't need to you worry think, about any of this. <laughs> I, and as well, clumsy, I can't use my words. Like when I'm literally like two days before my period, I'm just like, Blah, blah. I, just like, I feel like I'm like that on a regular basis but now that you say yeah. it it's probably more common around my cycle which is mad yeah. it's so interesting yeah, it's, yeah. it's crazy I would be different like everyone will be different some people actually feel really nauseous around their around when they ovulate I've never had that you know, obviously a big one is ovulation pain again I've never had that either you know, some people will notice that it's on one side depending on where they've actually released an egg from so, so yeah, it's interestingly enough actually I was getting probably about six or seven months ago I was getting period cramps but it was if anything like I had had my period you know two weeks prior and I was like yeah. this is so weird I was like what is happening now not bad cramps or anything but I could definitely feel something and yeah. I didn't know this and somebody said to me somebody was like oh you're probably ovulating like that's that's those ovulation kind of cramps I don't even know if they're called that but yeah. I was like oh my god I never never knew that was a thing because I'd never gotten them before um, yeah it's so interesting it's isn't it? but like also like, we should know we should all know yes this why like, don't we know this should be taught in school way more than I mean I don't know if it's even improved since when I was in school which I'll be honest was not that long ago um so I'm sure so I actually remember our like no joke Vicky this is our sex ed <laughs> so I remember we were in fifth class and it was like okay brush over the whole like sex thing and let's go on to periods right so I remember the teacher going over she's like this is a sanitary towel she held it underneath the tap and she was like and this is how it absorbs your blood and like the end that was it that it's was like those ads towel. for kitchen roll isn't it or I'm sure they do like, with sanitary towels as well it's like how much water does this kitchen towel absorb that's like it's just so mad like nothing about I don't know like, I just feel like sex ed was like this is this is how to put on a, a, a sanitary towel and this is how not to get pregnant just wear condoms and well, don't have I, I don't even remember like knowing how to use a tampon but I definitely didn't learn in school like it wasn't through school or through sex ed that I learned it it was probably by just trying myself or it was a leaflet in the in the tampon <laughs> yeah. but even like I don't know going way off again on, a, on another tangent as per usual I am but even thinking back to school in the bathrooms like you would fully, it's like, you know, those machines that have the tampons in, it's pro- proper like a, a, a you know, what the, a cash machine in a yes. casino. Like surely there's a, an easier way. Should they not be free? Should we not, they not just be sitting out know. in the girl's bathroom? Like, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't and know. Then how you to remember going in, like you'd actually be so embarrassed it's that you so have a you'd be open, you'd be like, <laughs> like coughing. Up. I used to bring like a little, like the older I got, I would bring like a little kind of, purse or like a little pencil case and it would be like my little period pencil case but like you would have to take it out if you were in class and you were like oh no I got my you'd have to take it out you know under you'd be so secretive about it whereas 
God, it's just, I, I hope it changes or has changed a little bit for, you know, young teenagers or but Yeah, I hope it has. I think it actually might be because then I don't know if it's just because we're getting older. And we just don't older. care as much anymore. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's mad. Like just, yeah. Crazy. I think no, it has, it is getting better. I actually have spoken to a couple of teachers about it and they said that it has. Yeah, so. it, it needs to go. We'll get there. Uh, exactly. And um, so going back to that kind of checklist, um, we've touched on, um, obviously ovulation, you have to be ovulating. Um, we've touched on thyroid function, really important. Anything else on that or is there any other yeah. comments? There is like another couple of like blood markers, um, like your prolactin and stuff like that. Um, and then it goes to kind of male fertility. So I would I would always recommend that someone goes for a semen analysis if they've been trying to conceive for six months. Um, but like still at the same time, like I personally would go and have my husband check like well before we're trying to conceive because you don't want to reach a point where you're like, okay, right, let's do this. And then you're six months in and then you find yeah. out that your analysis is off and then you have to wait two to three months for them to obviously change their nutrition lifestyle and supplementation so that they have like good semen and then like that's a that's nearly a year away well so ultimately like obviously it depends on everyone's financial situation as well I think you can get it done for about 100 euro though um I just think there's no harm in going in and getting a check to see what you're working with fingers crossed everything's fine and then it just gives you again just gives you peace of mind yeah definitely and and like you said you're not just prolonging the process exactly and the more the, the the more months it goes without you trying to conceive inevitably you're going to be more stressed yeah. and it's something that Stress. we want to avoid as much as possible exactly. yeah and and again correct me if I'm wrong you'll know way better than I am but it, would I be right in saying women can be stressing so much about the process that that's what's we don't know exactly maybe but that's probably not helping their you know situation when they're trying yeah. to conceive and almost kind of I feel and I just I know somebody who kind of went through this when they kind of like accepted that they were like okay maybe this isn't going to happen they kind of let their body relax a little bit they actually got yeah. pregnant yeah it's really possible like we don't ultimately we don't have the science behind yeah. it but at the end of the day like if you are pushing out cortisol and adrenaline like our main stress hormones if you think from an evolutionary perspective you're kind of telling your body i'm under i'm under stress i'm under threat they don't under like your body doesn't you know what it is what type of stress yeah yeah it doesn't know she's worried about pregnant it's like oh she must be running away from a bear yeah. every day yeah. like all day every day she is in danger there is threats everywhere and like even like from an evolutionary perspective again our body doesn't want to bring a baby into an environment where it feels like that baby might not be okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Makes, so makes it's sense. like, if you can't even look after herself running away from this bear, then maybe it's not a good idea for her to have a baby with this bear around. So yeah, that's obviously me massively simplifying the physiology behind it, but that's the way I kind of always explain it to clients. Yeah. Um, and it's important to remember that when we think about stress we immediately think of psychological stress like oh why am I not getting pregnant or financial stress or bereavement or anything that's going on in your life really but stressors are also other things like they're also physical stressors so your exercise high intensity interval training like absolutely killing yourself in the gym five times a week doing hit style training sessions trying to lose weight being in a calorie deficit skipping meals drinking too much coffee like 
not getting sufficient sleep. So a lot of people who come to us are nearly doing all of these things. Like I'm sure you know with your own clients, a lot of them are probably doing those kind of things as well. They're trying to lose weight. They're cutting carbs. They're skipping meals. They're skipping breakfast. They're training fasted. They're doing like high intensity sessions. And then they're wondering, why is my, why is my PMS really bad? Why is my cycle irregular? It's like, because your body is just under so much stress every single day. It's like, oh, but like everything's fine. Like it's like psychologically, everything might be fine, but your body feels like it's under stress. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can definitely relate to that. Like, I'm like, I love when I'm, I wouldn't say stressed, but I love when I'm like, you know, hardcore going, you know, training a lot. Like I'm, I wouldn't say like thrive in chaos. Yes, exactly. Like I literally so bad to thrive in chaos. It's so bad. It's so bad. And it's such a crazy day on Monday that I was like, I got home and I was like, Oh, I was like, that was a really rewarding day, even though I did not yeah. stop. And that's something that I just, I've, I'm I'm not good at, like, because I love being busy. But you're so right. And it's like, so um, just to kind of, when you touched on calorie deficit, it's for, what I'd be right in saying, for some women, losing weight can be beneficial if they are significantly overweight. Losing weight can be beneficial for, um, for fertility. For a lot of women who are a healthy weight, probably not the best thing yeah absolutely so yeah it just depends on the person so yeah but even for someone who is overweight like I wouldn't be going and doing like a really really well even regardless of what what you're yeah exactly you wouldn't be doing a drastic approach anyway but yeah you're right in saying that for people who are a little bit overweight then absolutely it could benefit their fertility to um drop a little bit of weight but then people who are normal to underweight obviously then that could be detrimental so it's almost like it's the same with exercise I always say it's like the Goldilocks effect it's about finding the right balance Mm -hmm. it's not too hot it's not too cold it's not too much it's not too little so we're we're so programmed to be like extremists it's like oh well I want to lose weight so I'm going to cut this I'm going to do hit sessions five times a week so it's just about finding the middle ground and finding that sweet when it comes to calories when it comes to exercise and this is again this isn't just saying for fertility this is for everyone like this is obviously what you work with a lot as well yeah and and knowing that like more is not you know always better but as well something no matter what goal a client will come in to me with most of them it's fat loss like health has to be priority and has to be top of the list because if you're you know if you're uh, your health is suffering because you're trying to lose weight whether it's your mental health or your physical health like it's just not worth it it's you have to think of the of the long yeah. game yeah um, you you might see this as well where do a lot of women come to you who don't have their period or have like a regular an irregular period from weight loss and from kind of excessively dieting and excessively exercising yeah yeah and it's crazy because like I I would always say like you're period is like your fifth vital sign so like your other vital signs are like your breathing rate your heart rate your blood pressure and if you woke up one morning and your blood pressure was really really low or it was really high your heart rate was through the roof you'd be like oh shit like there's something wrong whereas when your period just goes AWOL you're like oh this is great I don't have a period I don't have to worry about it for a few months I'm like oh my god like no it is your body's way of like screaming at you that there's something wrong yeah and and I I thought that like I went through um a stage where like that I had no period and I was like 17 18 at the time and I was like this is brilliant 
love that. Now I'm just on 24 and it was, it's been a struggle to gain it back. And it, it's, it still is, is something that I'm nervous about. I'm like, oh God, like, what if I push, you know, my training too much and I lose it again? Like, it's still in my, cause I know, like I said, I, I don't plan on having kids right now, but you have to think about the future. And I'm like, well, I do maybe want kids in five, six years time. Yeah. So like, this is something I need to think about now. Um, and a lot of people so, say yeah, to me, they're like, oh, well, I don't want a baby. So I don't really mind that I don't have a period. It's like, still health it's so important it's so important for your bone health your mental health your heart health that you're getting that those surges and those drops off in hormones every month like estrogen is so so important and if you are not making sufficient estrogen then your yeah your mental health your heart health and your bone health are going to be negatively affected yeah no it's it's crazy and again I think it's being more talked about which is great but it's just it's interesting or it's it's hard sometimes and don't get me wrong I was there myself when all people want to focus on is weight loss or fat loss and it's like there's so much else that you need to take into consideration there's actually some research after coming out that's shown that women who had HA so hypothalamic amenorrhea where basically for people who don't know what that is it's like where you've lost your period for an external reason so it's some sort of behavioral issue like not eating sufficient calories um losing too much weight excessively exercising so the research shows that if you had ha early on in your life for several years it can actually result in women going into early menopause so even though someone might be like oh well i don't want to have kids to like a good bit down the line that might be yeah exactly so yeah again it's really important that we talk about this kind of stuff yeah yeah when it comes to um exercise i know you said definitely not the best idea to be doing you know high intensity sessions five six days a week is there anything that is beneficial yeah that would yeah 100 so again it's it's really about striking the balance between not doing too much and stressing our body out but also doing sufficient exercise so that we get the fertility like benefits from it because there are fertility benefits like you are going to have better like blood profile you're going to have better tolerance for your like insulin sensitivity you're going to increase you're increasing your blood flow you're therefore you're increasing your blood flow to your reproductive organs so it is really important to still have exercise in there it's just and again like it's really tough because we don't have any concrete research in it and we don't therefore we don't have any really hard and fast rules when it comes to okay how many times a week can I exercise when trying to conceive because it, it depends on so many things so the biggest one would be like your training age. So like you and I've been training for years. So if we're going to do like CrossFit style sessions. Like we might be okay. Whereas if someone comes in and they've, they've never done CrossFit before, of course, they're not going to do five 45 minute sessions a week. Like they would actually, yeah, they'd, it's just, it's too much of a stressor on their system. So it does depend again on your training experience and your training age. Um, and then looking at the other factors. So if you are eating really well, you're not trying to lose weight, you're on top of your sleep, you've no psychological stressors, you're not skipping meals, then you might be able to do those five sessions a week and have no issues. But then obviously there's inter-individual differences. So it's what I call our stress bucket. So we all have a tolerance for the amount of stress that we can handle before our stress bucket overflows. And when our 
stress bucket metaphorically overflows, that's when issues happen with kind of fertility and kicking out our female hormones in her period. So I might have a much smaller bucket than you have. So I have to be really mindful of kind of tipping myself over the edge and like, okay, this might be a little bit too much for me. And I do, I have a really, really sensitive menstrual cycle. So if I go through like a really, really stressful month or two, my like ovulation gets prolonged. Like it can be like day, like 25 30 um so like you're almost like skipping a cycle so it's important to know just become more informed about you and your hormones and like the type of tolerance level that you have um pms is also a really good marker so you'll notice that like if you're not looking after yourself that well you might have really really bad pms um but that's not saying that everyone who has pms doesn't look after themselves well again we all have a different tolerance i'm not a i'm not a pmsy person so like i could be my lifestyle could be all over the place and i tend to not i'm really really lucky i don't really get pms and whereas other people would yeah so it's just different like so your hormones are probably knocked out like yours and mine would be knocked out easier but we don't tend to get pms so yeah ultimately it's just about learning to work with your body and understand what it needs that's that's the most important part yeah again why i think and i'm biased but still it's worth working with somebody like yourself that can just guide you and and support you as well like just feeling like you're not having to do this alone is just a really good psychological benefit to it yeah it's just having someone in your corner who you can it's the same with you as a personal trainer it's having someone who you can just soundboard off of each week and Mm -hmm. someone that you know has your best interest in heart that has done this so many times with other people and that support element like I always find it so ironic I don't know I don't know if it's irony but I I feel like I never know how to use the word ironic but anyway I always just think of that song by Alanis Morissette (laughs) I'm like okay what did she say okay that's yeah that's ironic so I we have clients who we'll be trying to conceive for like a lot of people come to us when it comes to fertility as their last kind of resort and a lot of people come to us and they've been trying to conceive for like a year or even like two years and they've gone through a really complex fertility journey and just cannot get pregnant so many of them will literally sign up with us and get pregnant and like they'll be working with us for two weeks and I'm like nothing that I changed in the last two weeks could possibly have affected your fertility the only thing that makes sense is that you finally felt like, okay, I'm in a safe space. I feel like I have yeah. someone who supports me. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, is that irony? <laughs> Wait, that's amazing because that just, I, what, um, and I said this on another podcast and I totally, what's the saying? A problem shared is a problem yeah. halved. Like so. that's, I think a great example of that is like, again, I'm not going through this alone. I have somebody here that's going to support me and I think that's amazing. Like, yeah, call it irony, but like, I think it's, yeah, it is. It's I great. think that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing that we could have changed with your supplements or your nutrition or exercise that would have had an effect in two weeks. It must just be that you feel at ease and you have peace of mind that you know that there is like a, a plan in place. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Speaking of supplements, you briefly mentioned folic acid. Yeah. So, through that anything kind of else that's um, yes like obviously again it would depend on the person like but just as a a general kind of recommendation I would always recommend that someone is taking a good quality prenatal that contains methylfolate as opposed to folic acid just because it's a more usable form it's more bioavailable and 
So like kind of brands like Nutri Advance, Proceed, those kind of brands I find really good. So your prenatal is like an insurance policy. So ultimately like supplements are there to supplement your diet. They should never replace your diet. But I would say it's like an insurance policy. So if there's something that you're missing, like maybe you're low in zinc or maybe you're low in selenium, it just kind of tops you up. So just that, it just means that you're going into pregnancy in a repleted state as opposed to a depleted state. So that would be the main one, a prenatal. Um, I always recommend additional vitamin D. So there will be vitamin D in a prenatal, but I always recommend additional vitamin D for women, especially from... um, Halloween until St. Patrick's Day. So during that time period, I'd always recommend additional vitamin D. Vitamin D is really, really important for fertility. Like even just as a as a basic explanation, like vitamin D has been associated with increased implantation rates. So the ability for the embryo to go and get in and actually implant and stay there in the lining of the uterus, that's been associated with elevated vitamin D. And um, again, like outcomes from IVF have been their association studies again, they're they're um observational studies but sufficient vitamin d status has been associated with better outcomes in comparison to those who have suboptimal vitamin d status so that's really important and most places most gps actually don't test vitamin d anymore they've kind of gone with this idea that they just have to assume you just assume that you're deficient and therefore you supplement so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, um, but either way, I recommend that people would have a little bit extra vitamin D, even if it's just taking it every second day with your prenatal. And then if someone isn't eating your omega-3 fatty acids, I would definitely recommend that they're really, really important for that preconception window as well and throughout pregnancy. So it's really, as I said, like back to what we were chatting about at the start, it's it's really about protecting your eggs and protecting your sperm, really critical for, for a male as well protecting them from inflammation um, and infl- inflammatory damage so that's why your omega-3 fatty acids they have they're a natural anti-inflammatory so they would be really important to get in as well and then male prenatal um, male vitamin d and omega-3 as well not that, there, not that there's yeah. a male specific vitamin d i mean yeah that meant it. yeah, yeah. That, um no that's great and vitamin d is just like one of those amazing supplements like yeah it's it's literally so, so important for so many different reactions that happen in your body, like so critical for hormonal health, so critical for reproduction and um, so, so important. Like if I always say, like whenever I do a talk, I'm like, if you take one thing from this talk, go home and buy yourself vitamin D. Yeah, I know it's brilliant. Um, and I think a lot, uh, now I don't know how true this all is, but I think during COVID and stuff, it came out that like, it was shown vitamin D had some oh yeah there was yeah there. I actually put up a good few research articles that had shown the association again it was like it was observational studies where they showed rates um of people getting COVID and actually being really unwell that they were associated with people who were deficient in vitamin D yeah there was actually a lot of research that came out about that mad mad no it's 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 amazing so let's say that amazing thing happens and a, a, a woman falls pregnant just given we're on the subject of supplements is there any supplements women who are pregnant should be taking to you know make sure that they stay on top of things or that everything goes well I just think that would be quite useful yeah, so to... it's just it, it's it's again it's the same so like what I recommend for preconception is what I recommend throughout pregnancy so it's your prenatal your vitamin d your omega-3 and um, your omega-3 is like especially important in your third trimester because it's actually been shown to be associated with giving rise to smarter babies so in that three month um or sorry in that third trimester that's when baby's brain is and nervous tissue is like really really rapidly developing so 
they've actually done a study that shows that yeah vitamin d supplementation in the third trimester results in smarter offspring which is really interesting so they will be my main ones um some people will find that if they have morning sickness that like some prenatal rituals will repeat on them i always recommend that for those people that they take them just before bed that can really help um and like I feel like a lot of people don't get this. I actually need to put this up on Instagram. There's certain supplements, like especially if you've ever taken anything with uh, B vitamins in it, it's a real kind of distinctive smell and people really struggle. They're like gagging on because they're like, oh, this is disgusting. But like when you take it over the box, you need to like close off your nose because it's it's the smell that's actually making you like, oh, this is horrible. So like you need to just close off your nose and drink it. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, so... Wow. Yeah, because that's a tough one for people, especially if they have morning sickness. So that's a good little tip. Interesting. Wow. No, there's been so much great info in this. Like I've learned loads, um, which is why I'm selfish, but I wanted to have you on. <laughs> um, but no, I know definitely like there are so many women I know, clients of mine, women that I just know outside of the gym that are, are going to benefit from this. Um, so thank you so much. Michelle for all of that info um just a couple of things before we finish up uh where can people find you whether it's on Instagram or your website and um, so we are, are the fit clinic on Instagram and the fit clinic.ie is our website brilliant amazing and you're on TikTok amazing I I don't use TikTok oh, I'm actually probably only person in their 20s that doesn't use TikTok um but it's hard because like Instagram I feel you probably are the same just for you know clientele and stuff as that's oh you. yeah absolutely I know it's so important for for business and um, yeah. but I don't it's hard it's hard to be on everything yeah. I think it's tough um so brilliant so website and Instagram and also TikTok that's amazing um so I have three rapid fire okay. questions just to finish up no pressure um they should be pretty simple but one is what is your favorite breakfast um so I would say actually so fried eggs on sourdough toast with Kerrygold butter and peanut ryu have you ever had peanut ryu oh so good. and my mom is gonna listen to this and be like oh my god she was thought she introduced it to me and I was like mom how do you not know oh, about this this is amazing yeah, awesome. uh, and I love how you specify Kerrygold yeah. butter that's, that's good <laughs> uh yes no I, I'm definitely I'm on the same page as you that's brilliant uh favorite music artist oh god oh my god that's really hard Jesus I feel like I'm like not good with music I'm just I feel like I... if you had to go to one concert tomorrow um oh this is gonna sound so old but <laughs> it's actually an Italian composer called Ludovico Ionaudi <laughs> Oh my god! I was not expecting yeah, that. Yeah, I know loads of his music. <laughs> wow. Um, amazing. Like, how how old are we talking? Do you say composer? He's a composer. Yeah, he's like a he's an wow. Itali- he's a yeah he's he is Italian and he's a pianist and a composer. But look him up. I'll send you on a link. You definitely know. The music. Definitely. Um, but yeah, Jesus, I'm so old. But- amazing. No, that's good. That's you know what I've asked. Obviously, everybody that question. And just, this is like me judging a book by its cover, but I've seen the person, I'm like, oh yeah, they'll definitely say something along the lines of this. And then they'll say something totally different. I'm like, I think I was going to say like Julie or something. (laughs) I thought you were going to say like, yeah, yeah, someone like, uh, 
I don't know, know like Dermot Kennedy. Another, like another one that people actually know is London Grammar. So yeah, so I've heard of them, but I don't know any of oh, their music. Grammar, unbelievable. Sorry, is it them? Yeah, Are they a band? Are, yeah, she's a she's Hannah. She, she, yeah, no, gosh, no, she's the main singer, she. but no, there's a group of them. Okay, um, okay, brilliant, amazing. And lastly, your favorite book? Harry Potter, obviously. <laughs> amazing. I only read those. I first read those when I was seventeen, oh which is I'm actually kind of glad because I feel like if I was younger, I wouldn't have appreciated oh it. Whereas, oh, I yeah, like that's another interesting answer. I thought you were going to say something like. I don't know. I'm reading Colleen. Oh, okay, uh, I'm obsessed. Have you read Verity? Oh. I'm in the middle of Verity at the moment. No, I'm literally. I'm. It is my first book. Oh, so it's and it's and it's a uh, what's it ended? It's with us, it ends with us. Yeah, one of those. It ends with us. Uh, so I'm about got about only about halfway through. I'm terrible at reading normal She's really books. Easy I'm reading to read, She's She's very yeah. easy to read. I like read it on the plane last week. And God, I got through 100 pages, which never happens. Um, so brilliant. So good. But yeah, I thought you were going to say something like that. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that it was Harry Potter. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, listen, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the Long Story Short podcast. I hope you enjoyed um, being on. I know for a fact, so many people will find this useful. Um, so yeah, thank you thank so you, much. I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Michelle and took plenty of helpful tips from it because I know I did. If you find it useful, I would love for you to share it with your friends, family, or anyone else you think might find it useful as this really helps me in growing the podcast. For more info, make sure to follow me on Instagram at Vicky Cornick, as well as my gym page at victory underscore fitness underscore IE. This is where you can also check out our 28 day trial that we run for half price. And lastly, if you're wanting to get updates for future episodes, which include some incredible guests, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time.